0: Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Friday, April the 1st, and we probably all hoped it was an April Fool, but unfortunately not. Household bills have risen substantially for most of us today. The amount energy companies can now charge for gas and electricity per year has jumped 54% to almost £2,000. The government say measures have been put in place to help families with the rising cost of living, but Labour leader Sakia Starmer has called them pathetic. Well, I've been speaking to Lauren Abbott, who's the editor of My Kemp Family. It's quite a jump. I think if you are an um, average family who has a very
2: average energy bill, they're saying that that price rise could be between about £600 and £700. But obviously, that could be more or less depending on a household that uses less or uses more. Um, But I think if you're on a prepayment meter, you get hit a little bit harder, unfortunately, and then you're looking at just over £700.
0: I mean, that is a huge amount of money, isn't it, for people to suddenly find um I mean added to an increasing cost of living what sort of pressures do do you think it's, it's going to put on families? Is it putting pressure on you as a family?
2: I think it's going to put a huge pressure on families. I think there will be those like us who will be fortunate enough that they will be able to cover away the cost of those bills, but might notice that other luxuries, if you wanted to call them that, might go out the window, you know, the, the sort of the £100 trip to the zoo, the £150 child's birthday party. I think there'll be families that will claw back some of those sort of extra treats in order to cover the energy rise. And then there's going to be those families who who just won't be able to cover those bills. Action for Children already this morning have said that they're concerned that the families um, who lost the £20 universal credit uplift that was taken away after sort of the end of the pandemic if that's what you want to call it and um, just won't meet these costs having already be, found themselves sort of 80 to 100 pound down a month.
0: Yeah absolutely and um, as you mentioned they're harder up families I mean is any help being made available to them at all as far as you know?
2: Well the government say they're going to put more money into the household support fund and that's the um, fund that local councils get to help people who are really not making ends meet. Um, obviously there's been the shift um, in national insurance and the amount that the threshold has gone up by so that might help as well. Um, The government is giving you the council tax rebate. That's £150. But in all honesty, when you're looking at energy bills rising by probably £60 to £70 a month, that £150 one-off payment isn't really going to go very far at all. Um,
0: uh, The weather's been a bit bonkers this week, but obviously we're heading into spring and summer. It's going to be a bit warmer, so we won't have the heating on quite as much. Do you think perhaps this will bite harder when it gets to winter time?
2: Um, No doubt about it. Obviously, we can all try and claw back or put our back in credit through the summer months, Um, but hovering around um, the autumn is the second price cap rise. The energy price cap can go up again in October. There's talk that that could be between 30 and 40%. So there's not going to be much respite if families get to the end of the summer and find that we're already talking about another
0: hike in energy bills. Just to add insult to injury, council tax is also going up as are national insurance contributions from next week. Well, as Lauren mentioned, charities fear millions of families will be forced into poverty. Esther Herwood is from the Swale Food and Fuel Bank. They used to just provide food parcels but now give out vouchers so families can afford gas and electricity too. She's been speaking to our colleagues from KMTV.
3: We have seen lots of people needing our help, even more so in the last few months. It used to be maybe a couple of weeks, maybe two or three a week really, um, at the maximum, um, and then it jumped up to about five or six about a month ago. Certainly in the last week or two we've seen many more than that. I did five in one day the other day, and then two the next day, and then three the next day, et cetera. So it's it's, it's jumping up quite a lot. I mean, previously, before we were able to be a fuel bank, um, if we gave someone a food parcel, sometimes they'd say to us, oh, that's all well and good, but how am I supposed to cook that?
0: because they didn't have fuel for their gas or electricity. So how is the price rise affecting you? Are you having to make cutbacks? And if so, on what? And do you think the government should be doing more to help? And what can they do? Well, we'd love to hear your views. You can post a message on our socials today or email news at thekmgroup.co.uk. Other top stories and a Maidstone man who slashed another man's neck with a knife during a row over a woman has been cleared of attempted murder. A court was told violence broke broke Out in February last year in the town centre. 50 year old Rodney Geisha from Fairmeadow was instead convicted of wounding with intent and causing grievous bodily harm. He'll be sentenced in June. Elsewhere at court, a Stablehurst man who attacked a woman he'd met on Tinder has been jailed for 30 months. A court was told Stephen Crocker met the victim at a pub in Tunbridge after they chatted on the dating app in September 2017. The 30 year old from Maybourne Place was cleared of rape but convicted of sexual assault. A search is underway for an attacker who followed their victim to hospital then vandalised their car. A man in his 30s was assaulted after leaving a property on Napier Road in Gillingham. He was then tracked by the suspect and had his vehicle damaged while getting treatment for his injuries. Now a Kent MP is meeting with officials in Poland to look at the support being offered to the people of Ukraine. Tumbridge and Morning's Tom Tugendhat has travelled to Eastern Europe and visited a volunteer camp on the border. He's praised the effort to help the many refugees.
1: So behind me you can see uh, a camp. It's actually not a refugee camp. It's a camp of volunteers who are all offering things like hot food and water, uh, nappies, baby bottles, baby milk, all that sort of thing. And it's volunteers from around the world, from Israel, from the UK, from France, from many other places. And it's, uh, it's remarkable what's being offered now. It's pretty busy now. It's pretty full it's pretty, pretty cool now. And there's many people who still need uh, assistance because actually about 4,000 people are coming through every day and about 3,000 every night. And that just tells you the pressure on the Polish border guards here. But I have to say the calm, controlled way in which they're dealing with all these people and the kindness which they're showing is really quite inspirational. Uh, The Polish government and the Polish people are really showing themselves uh, in a very, very good light. I to say, I'm extraordinarily impressed.
0: We're now five weeks into Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Diplomatic talks between the two sides are due to resume. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A former domestic abuse victim says she was left in tears as a thief rode off on her electric bike. Jennifer Salter from Gillingham said the bike had helped to regain her freedom after enduring physical and mental abuse at the hands of her former partner. Well, family and friends had clubbed together to buy the £500 bike to help her overcome her fear of travelling in public. Well, the bike was taken from outside the Vets where she works on Copenhagen Road on Monday. Lucy, what's Jennifer had to Say about it Well, she's clearly very upset about what's happened and says she can't afford any other means of travel. Learning to drive is expensive and so is running a car. As you say, she found the bike had helped her gain confidence and give her more freedom to get about. She only got it in December and says she feels lost without it. At Kent Online, you can see a picture of the white assist bike, which was stolen, along with a helmet and basket. It was taken from a private car park at her work, and Jennifer's described the suspect as wearing all black and a balaclava. She thinks he was aged between 16 and 22. Police are investigating, but Jennifer says she just wants the bike back, no questions asked. Lucy, thanks ever so much. Kent's getting more than £5 million of government money to reduce violent crime. Police say their special unit has already helped tackle robberies, attacks and county lines gangs. Meantime, Kent's police and crime commissioners set out a new plan aiming to make the county safer. It'll act as a blueprint for the force over the next three years and is focused on tackling violence against women and girls. We're told it'll also help combat organised crime and county lines as well as preventing road danger and protecting young people. Now, the Kent Online podcast has been told the end of free COVID testing is a concern with infection rates in Kent particularly high right now. Around 1,000 people in every 100,000 in the county tested positive in the seven days to March the 25th but it's feared cases could be even higher as there's already been a drop in the number of people testing and reporting it. Well, I've been speaking to Anjan Ghosh, the new man in charge of public health in Kent.
4: Well, our rates are still extraordinarily high we're close to uh, hovering either above, just above or below a 1,000 per 100,000. That's our case rate for Kent. Um, With variations, of course, across uh, Kent, but it is high everywhere. Um, So that's one of the backdrops. And then you've got, obviously, a change in the rules. And those changing rules can cause, at least initially, quite a bit of confusion. Hence, this conversation is also quite important for your listeners, um, because uh, we do appreciate that there would be potentially a different set of rules for an individual in their personal life and there might be a set of rules which are different in their work life, especially if they're working in the NHS or working in adult social care or other uh, settings which we consider as high-risk settings for getting COVID. And that can be confusing because you can go to the pub and you don't have that many restrictions, but you go to work and you have to follow all kinds of precautions. So trying to explain why that is and uh, and that there's a logic behind that uh, and people really understanding that, and therefore taking the necessary measures they need to. Also, uh, understanding the pandemic hasn't gone away. Um, as I said, with the with the numbers, uh, hospital admissions are also going up, which is also um, slightly worrying. Uh, the good thing is, while hospital admissions are going up, it's not that the critical beds are going up, which is the the third indicator, which is a red flag. So it hasn't reached anything near that stage at all. So. While we're keeping a watchful eye, the data is something to look at closely. Um, so in that phase, it's very important that people understand that there are even the even if the government doesn't stipulate it, there are things you can do in your own um, you know, kind of initiative to take care of yourself, your community, your loved ones even if, um, if the government is saying you don't really have to do those things. And I would really recommend people do so. It's almost like going back to first principles, like how it was uh, at the time the pandemic started, that hands, face, space message. So that still stands now. Uh, everyone can wash their hands frequently and maintain hand hygiene. is good for all kinds of other reasons too, not just uh, the pandemic. Uh, also using a face covering where you're in a crowded space and you can't avoid it and it's poorly ventilated, or you're in uh, in, the, in, a, in a place where you feel a bit that there's a risk, uh, there's no harm in wearing a face mask. Um, and that also helps when, um, if God forbid, there's a variant suddenly lurking, there will be a lag before we detect it. So it'll protect people from that if that was to happen. And obviously the space message is more about ventilation at this point point. and with the weather changing, actually it's quite conducive to having a nice meeting outside or opening the doors and windows and letting in fresh air. So that's part of that, and that's something all of us can do at this stage. Kent Online reports.
0: Neighbours aren't happy about plans to expand a luxury holiday resort on Romney Marsh. The people who run Kebu by the Sea in St Mary's Bay want to add 10 new cabins, expand an outdoor seating area, and build a new restaurant. But those who live nearby are worried about the loss of natural habitat and late night noise. The new IMAX screen at Cineworld in Ashford opens today. It's part of a big new extension to the cinema complex on the Eureka. A business park which also includes a 4DX screen. Work started back in 2020, five years after the plans were first approved. Now the weather's been pretty crazy again today with snow falling in parts of the county. A yellow weather warning was enforced this morning with the east of Kent worst affected. You can see some pictures of it at Kent Online today. The good news, it should be mostly dry and sunny over the weekend with highs of 10 degrees Celsius. And have you been caught out by any April falls today? Well we must admit our story about London Resort being renamed Boomerland and aimed at OAPs with rides based on faulty towers and diagnosis murder was a joke. The guys at Leeds Castle tried to trick us by saying it was up for sale for a whopping £125 million. Well, the team at Brewer, Shepherd Neiman, Faversham thought we'd fall for a tale about reading to hot plants to encourage them to grow.
1: Kent Online Sports.
0: A Kent teenager who built a climbing wall in her back garden during lockdown has been chosen to represent Team GB. 17-year-old Erin McNeese started climbing when she was just five and now could be heading to the 2024 Olympics in Paris. The A-level student who lives near Sittingbourne is the youngest member of the national squad and still can't quite believe it. She's been chatting to our reporter Megan. I don't know why It's,
3: it's still surreal even though I worked so hard for it and everything that comes with that like World Cups and Olympic selection doesn't feel real, but it's something that I've worked for for the past five or six years and dreamed about pretty much every day, so very happy. I got into it when I was five years old. My dad brought me to a climbing gym. It was very small and very light, so I could impress people. So I liked it because I got attention. (laughs) Uh, And then when it started getting harder, I started getting scared because of the height. When I moved back to England after living in Malaysia for about three years, I started to find find my love and passion for it again. And uh, I just, yeah, I just fell in love with it. And then I just found out about the opportunities it could give me and started training really hard for it.
2: Just tell me what you do at school, how often you train, how you juggle
3: everything. Uh, I study biology, sport and psychology, A level. I'm in my final years of A-Levels and train six days a week uh, on the wall and in the gym. And then one day a week, active recovery, like stretching and stuff like that. Don't have any free time. My life is wake up, go to school, revise, train, revise, go to sleep, wake up and do the same thing again. I finished my A-Levels in like two months, which I'm very excited about because I will have free time, hopefully, and I'll be able to put all my focus into climbing.
2: And obviously, you do training up in London, um, but what? how do you train at home? Can you tell me a bit more about that?
3: I have a slightly downsized climbing wall in my summer house. It's about six foot five in height, and sort of, we built it before COVID, and it became a lot bigger during COVID, and I trained on that most days. And I train on it some days in a week because it's all an hour to an hour and a
0: half journey to London and back. So it's, it's a lot easier to train at home. Well, you can see Erin and her climbing wall at Kent Online. Football now and Gillingham make the long trip to Sunderland this weekend, hoping to get their first ever win at the Stadium of Light. Neil Harris's side are now four points clear of the League One relegation zone, while the opposition are pushing for a place in the playoffs. Dane Oliver scored for the Jules in last weekend's win over Accrington Stanley. He's hoping to add to his tally tomorrow.
5: At the minute, we're not, we're not creating a bundle of chances. Uh, Gaffer said that himself a few times so it's like if you don't take your opportunity might be one or two a game if you don't take it you come away very frustrated even if you the result's been good strike it, you come away still very frustrated um so yeah thankfully i managed to get one away um obviously for myself set set the setting the standards i did last year um different squad um different way of playing um obviously like i said and touched on there not as many chances so it is harder but yeah, injuries kind of set, uh, before the injuries it was kind of I was on the same run as, as last year and then kind of set me back a bit and uh, obviously a few things personally that I've obviously had to deal with which have been hard um, but yeah like, like I said for me now it's, it's positive and, and I'm, I'm grateful that I've been able to, to get to kind of get to that tally um, over the, for the club for over the past two seasons and hopefully it's, that's, that's not the end of it. As a striker, um, a lot of the onus is on you being that kind of that difference, um, that match winner. You say, um, so yeah, to, to, to kind of to get that, I think is it's a real, a real positive. Like I said, the abundance might not be there as of yet. Who knows what happens? We've still got games left, but the abundance of last year's, obviously, like I said, it's different. Um, but like you said, it's, it, they're critical ones, and if we we can pull this off and and stay up, then. I'm, I'm happy to look and say, look, that's that's obviously I played a big part in that. We, we've said it a few times. There's a lot of people that just wrote us off, and rightly so. The way we were, the kind of feel and mood in camp it almost felt like we were doom and gloom. Really, it was kind of it, we were done. He's came in, he's revitalised the place, um, and he's been a real, real plus for us. I think you can see how how together we are as a group now, um, and I think <coughs> we're in a great we're in a great position but it's not over, uh, they, we've got a very hard fixture list, not too sure what the other the teams around us, their fixtures are like, but I know ours is tough, um, so, so like I said, it's not over yet, it's not done, but we've put ourselves in a great great position, especially this early on, we've, everyone would have thought it would have been right down to maybe the last game, to maybe scrape it, so to be in the position we're in now is, is, is credit to everyone, so hopefully we can kind of maintain that and, and stay out of it.
0: Kick-off will be at three and you'll be able to follow the match action at Kent Online. We'll also have details of the result in our bulletins on sister radio station KMFM on Sunday morning. And in cricket, Kent's Tammy Beaumont is making final preparations ahead of the Women's World Cup final. Defending champions England take on Australia in New Zealand. Play gets underway in the early hours of Sunday, our time. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can also get out access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site by heading to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And whilst you're on the site today, you can read the latest review from our secret drinker who's been to the beer cellar in Tunbridge. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. We'll be back with the podcast on Monday.
1: News you can trust.
0: This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group